Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. We use the word bystander to mean those who are there, they are at hand, but they're just watching what happens. Now, you've seen that many times in many different situations. One of them, most popularly, riding down the highway and thinking about those rubberneckers. Something happens and everybody slows down because they want to be bystanders to see what's happening over there. There are all kinds of situations where that occurs. And so we understand what the idea of a bystander is. We can also be spiritual bystanders. Now these are the ones who are there. But they're just watching. They're available but unwilling, they are spiritual bystanders. I want us today to think about the concept of readiness and how readiness has the side of those who are simply bystanding and others who are standing by. Admittedly, I got this idea from one of our formers. I don't remember, care if it was Elijah or Jackson that wrote an article on the concept of bystanding and standing by. And I thought that is a tremendous idea. Let's think about it for a few minutes. Turn, if you will, to Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to this morning and this evening, stay in the same text, verses 1 through 13. It is a text with which you are quite familiar. It is a text about a wedding feast that had five wise and five foolish virgins in attendance at the feast. Now I want to begin with some words that we might have overlooked In verse number one, then the kingdom of heaven will be like. When we talk today, this morning, about the bystanders, I'm not talking about people in the world. This parable is not Jesus speaking about the five foolish virgins out there in the world. He's not talking about that. He is saying that in the kingdom of heaven, there are those who are the wise and there are those who are the foolish. Therefore, let us not think that as we address foolishness, we are thinking only about people in the world who foolishly have not decided to be with Jesus. 
No. Jesus said, these are the people in the kingdom of heaven, and we need to see them and understand them. And the first group that we want to consider are the bystanders. Now, before we get into talking about the bystanders, let us, first of all, make sure we understand at least some of what was going on in a Jewish wedding feast at the time. Their system was quite a bit different from ours in some respects. So we think about first, when it is time for the wedding feast, it actually is that. It is celebrated by a feast. And I'm talking about a feast that during this time of betrothal, which is a time of engagement, different from ours, because the betrothal system was so connected that you could only separate it by a divorce. So though you had not gone through the formal wedding ceremony, you are betrothed for a period of time, sometimes a few weeks, sometimes up to a year. But when it's time for the wedding, it has a feast connected to it. This feast often would last for days, sometimes up to two weeks as they would celebrate this wedding ceremony. During the time of the feast, when it's getting ready to start, the bride stayed in her house or with the house of her friend. And there was no communication between the bride and the groom. They would communicate with each other through someone, a friend of the bridegroom, going back and forth and passing the messages. The first thing that happened to kick off the actual wedding ceremony was the journey that the bride would make from her house or the friend's house to the house of her future father-in-law, and he would, she would stay there. Sometime in the evening, an unset time, not sure when it was, and they did not know, here would come the groom. And he would come with a procession of music and dancing and friends, and they would come and get his bride and take her from his father's house over to the house that they are going to share together, and the feast would then commence. Now, since they don't know when he's coming, Apparently, in the reading that I did, it always happened in the evening. So those who were a part of the wedding party would assemble, getting ready to meet the bridegroom coming to get his bride and take her to the feast. 
And if it's in the evening, of course, they have their lamps. And they are then a part of the wedding party, ready to go and celebrate with their friends. This parable is about the kingdom of heaven. Consider the comparisons between that and us. We are the bride of Christ. Ephesians chapter 5. We celebrate continually the feast that we have just had together as a part of the ceremony of being a part of the groom's family. The friend of the bridegroom has already been involved. In John chapter 3, Jesus said, the one who has the bridegroom is the bride. But the friend of the bridegroom is there. John the baptizer was the friend of the bridegroom who started the communication between God and the people before Jesus came to marry his bride. To be a part of the family of Jesus. As a church, we are married to him and we come into this family. And in this family, we celebrate being a part of this new relationship. We are all a part of this. We're the family. And Jesus says, like these people who were a part of the family, a part of the celebrating group for the wedding, five of them were foolish. Let's begin with this idea about the bystanders. The bystanders were there. You can't blame them for having said, I don't want to go. You can't accuse them for staying involved in something else. Oh, I have other things that I can do. You remember in Luke chapter 9 when Jesus was approached by people who wanted to follow him and one turned away and said, let me first go and bury my father. You remember the other excuses made in Scripture. I, I've bought some oxen, therefore I have to go prove them. I, I'm getting married, therefore I can't come. There are excuses that people make not to be there. But these bystanders didn't make excuses. They were there. Look, if you will, in the text of Matthew 25. And let us let the text further tell us who these people were. Look at verse 3. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. They were there, but they were not thinking ahead. It never occurred to them apparently. What? 
You don't know what time he's coming. You have oil lamps. How are you going to be ready for late coming bridegroom? What are you going to do? They weren't thinking. These foolish women were not thinking ahead. They were bystanders without thinking ahead. Maybe we encounter that sometimes in ourselves. Without thinking ahead, though we are here, though we are a part of this family, though we are in this wedding party, we're not thinking ahead. Maybe we don't think ahead of how our actions might affect somebody else. We don't think ahead about what will happen if I'm not there, if I'm not involved, if I don't do. There, but not thinking ahead. Look, if you will, at verse number four, um, eight. When the bridegroom came, there was a great cry, and everybody got up and got ready to go. And the foolish said, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. They were there. But they expected somebody else to do their job. They were there ready to go to the feast. And now when they didn't have what they needed, they expected somebody else to fill the void that they had created. That's what bystanders do, spiritually speaking. They expect to be there. Their intention is to be around. But they expect somebody else to fill the void that they are creating by not doing their part. Verse 9. But the wise answered saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. Bystanders are last minute people. They expected that somebody else would give it to them, but maybe if nothing else, we'll at the last minute run off to the store and we'll get what we need. You ever had a last minute moment? I had the same last-minute moment, two different minutes, two different trips. Forgot my contact solution. And the place where I was had none. Now, if you know about contacts, that is not a good deal. Can't wear them all night long. That causes a problem for me. When I was at my sister's house, in a little bit of Henderson, Tennessee, 11.30 at night, forgot my contact solution. Oh, I'll just run down to the gas station. That's right, Caleb. That ain't happening. It was open, but I didn't have it. No problem. 
I'll just drive up the road a few minutes to Walmart in Jackson. Guess what? Walmart was closed. What? Walmart was closed. Oh, well, there's another Walmart on the north side of Jackson. That's in the big shopping area. Closed. I happened to find a Walgreens and a CVS 24 hours in the middle of downtown Jackson. Because my last minute preparations failed, I finally got home about 1 or 1.30, chasing contact solution all over the place. I know how these women felt. I don't have it. What am I going to do? Well, go buy it. Maybe the last minute will work. Of course, you know that that did not happen. Look at verse number 10. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Verse 11, afterward the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. These bystanders thought that their identity would be their security. You know us. Come on, we're a part of the invited group. We're a part of this festival. We are a part of the wedding party. Come on, let us in, Lord. Uh-uh, I don't know you. Wait a minute. You do know us. You invited us to the wedding feast. But I don't know you. We're a part of the wedding entourage, but I don't know you. Because you can be in the party, be an invited guest, and not be known by the groom. Because he knows those who are ready for him. It's one thing to know the name of. And it's another thing to know. The bridegroom knew their names. He invited them. But he didn't know them. Because they didn't act like people who wanted to be known. They were bystanders. And then verse 13. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Bystanders are there, but they're not ready. They're not ready. To be a bystander is to be on the sideline looking in. You are at hand. You're close by. You're there. But you're not ready. It is sad that in the Lord's church there are people who are there but not ready. 
They are at hand, but they're not handy because they simply want to watch. God calls us to be there, but to be ready. To be ready is a defensive posture. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer for the hope that is within you, meekness and fear. If you decide that you're going to consider today, am I a bystander? Or tonight, Am I standing by? One of the questions you need to ask is this. Are you ready to defend your current spiritual condition? You ready to defend it? If someone says to you, you're a Christian? Yeah. What defense can you give that says you're on target, online, you're heading home to heaven someday? What defense are you going to give to someone who says, I'm not sure you are? Can you defend? Can I defend it? If I'm going to defend my current spiritual situation, what am I going to say? Because God calls us to be ready, ready to defend. Second Peter 3 and verse 15. But number two, God calls us to take an offensive position. Titus chapter 3 and verse 1, in the midst of that book where Paul is telling Titus, here's what I want you to do to the people to whom I have sent you. I want you to tell them all of these things at the end of chapter 2. Remind them of these things. The beginning of chapter 3. Remind them of these things. Be ready always for good works. To be ready is an offensive posture. Are you ready for good works? Today, are you ready or are you a bystander? God's family doesn't call every family member to do every single thing that the family does. There should be no expectation that every Christian be a part of every single thing that happens in this local church setting. But there is an expectation from God that every single Christian does something 
Now let me be a little discomforting. Bystanders can also sit. And if the one thing that you do as a Christian is sit in a pew at worship, you're a bystander. Because you're here. You're there. But what good work are you involved with? There is so much that happens here. So much that goes on. Many things that people don't even hear much about. But there should be no excuse for anybody to say, I just can't find a place to fit. See, the problem with a bystander is they're not looking to fit. They're just looking. But a readiness says, I need to take an offensive posture. Readiness says, number three, I need to take an aggressive posture. Posture. Listen to Paul's words in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 4. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. To be ready is to discipline when necessary. And the text says, when your obedience is fulfilled, you are punishing disobedience. Or do we just say, I'm going to leave it alone. I'm not going to touch it. That's not my business. But then finally, number four. To be ready is a blessing posture. 2 Corinthians 9 in verse number 5. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go ahead of you in time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised. These Christians were giving to the famine relief. You promised it, and I've sent some people. You can gather it up ahead of time. That it may be ready as a matter of generosity. 
and not a grudging obligation. Here's what I found. The word generosity is actually the word blessing. He says, your money that you promised to give in this situation, which you had previously promised, that it, the money, might be ready as a matter of blessing. Because it came from you. You did your part. And readiness says, I'm going to bless whomever and wherever. To be ready says I'm willing to be a blessing in somebody's life. Again, if you are questioning whether you are a bystander, let me ask you to ask yourself this question. Whose life have I blessed spiritually this week? Or whose can I bless spiritually this week? Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like five foolish bystanders in that kingdom. They are there. And they think that they're okay. Everything's good. But they're just watching. They're not ready. My only question is, are you ready? Get off the sidelines. Get into the game. Be a part of the family of God. Be a ready participant. Obviously, if you're not a child of God, he's not even talking to you. Because you're not a part of the family. You've not you've been invited, but you didn't choose to come. You're lost. But today you can be immersed into Jesus Christ. You can be forgiven. You can come back to a place of active participation from having been a bystander. Can we help you today? Our shepherds will meet you. Let's stand and sing together. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.